Good morning again, everyone. As I mentioned last Sunday, uh, the year 2020 marks uh, 30 years of ministry here at Christ Covenant. And um, so we thank God for that, and we'll be celebrating uh, that this year. Um, as I prayerfully considered uh, the first preaching series for the new year, my thoughts continue to return to a renewed vision for the elements of worship and ministry that the Lord has ordained for his church. Now, these elements of worship and ministry aren't necessarily flashy or, or trendy, but we can walk in confidence to know that these are the things that the Lord himself has appointed that we should walk in them. And the fact is, is that when we do what the Lord has commanded, that we know for sure that we will be blessed by God. Amen. So this morning I want us to consider a renewed vision for devotion to Christ. Now the book of Acts, which is the history book of the first uh, century of the church, it records to us that the first Christians, and that's in Acts chapter 2, that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we see that Biblical teaching, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer, well, they've always been considered what theologians call the means of grace, or it could be understood the means of growth. The idea of if you implement these things into your life, then this is how you can grow in Christ. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that the first element listed here that these first Christians uh, had in their lives was that they were continually devoting themselves. Continually devoting themselves. See, the fact is, is that we can grow in our understanding of God's word and we can enjoy fellowship with one another. We can partake of the, Holy, uh, of, the, of the Lord's Supper and we can humble ourselves in prayer. But it seems to me the overarching characteristic should be that we are continually devoted to Christ. You see, to be de continually devoted to Christ means more than just being devout. You know, the idea that some people might think that you're a devout Christian because you go to church every Sunday. But being a devoted to Christ means more than following a list of religious obligations and rituals out of a sense of duty. Those who are continually devoted to Christ, well, they're motivated out of a sense of love and devotion or affection for Christ. Christ is their highest affection, and therefore they are continually devoted to him. You see, to be continually devoted to Christ, you are not a wishy-washy Christian. A Christian who's continually devoted to Christ is not an on-again, off-again type of Christian. A, a Christian that's continually devoted to Christ is one who truly, truly surrenders himself or herself to the Lordship of Christ in their life. See, becoming a Christian is more than just accepting Jesus into your heart. Becoming a Christian is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as Lord. Amen? Amen. See, being a Christian is more than some just religious classification that you'll check off when the census comes around this year. A Christian is one whose life is characterized 
by continually surrendering themselves to Christ. So as we begin this sermon series this morning, I, I, I feel it's important that we begin to see that we need a clear vision for the supremacy of Christ in our lives. Because only when we have a clear vision of the supremacy of Christ and our devotion to Christ will all these other elements of worship and all these other elements of ministry will have full effect. Let, let me just give you an example here. You, you can learn God's word without a clear vision for devotion to Christ. And if you do so, you'll end up just being puffed up with knowledge. You can gather together for worship without a clear vision to be devoted to Christ. And this will only lead you to participate in some sort of religious observance. Actually, we can be involved in helping the needy and without, without a clear vision for Christ and this will lead to have us to have reliance on our good works instead of the grace of God. You see, having a clear vision to be devoted to Christ is the only way we can certainly hit the target of glorifying God in our lives. And I believe that Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, a familiar verse for many, gives us some spiritual insights needed so that we can gain this renewed vision for being devoted to Christ. So let me read God's word for us this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, I believe this passage tells us that if we want to be continually devoted to Christ, we must have a renewed vision for the mercies of God. But we also need to have a renewed vision for true spiritual worship, as well as having a renewed vision for continual renewal in our lives. Paul presents the mercies of God as his strongest argument for giving ourselves completely to the Lord. Paul begins, I urge you. It's, it's, he's begging like a, a father would to a child. I beg you to do this. I, I beg you. And you see the family element. I beg you or I urge you, brethren. Paul has a kinship, a, a holy kinship. And he's trying to tell them the best thing for them. I urge you, brethren. By the mercies of God to present your bodies. See, when we recognize what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, our only response is to give ourselves completely to him. Amen. Remember that Jesus told us that he did not come to call the righteous, but he came to call the sinner. And Jesus said these words to the Pharisees who considered themselves to be righteous 
in and of themselves, to be righteous because they're observance to certain religious rules and regulations. But Jesus wants to make it clear, I didn't come for people who consider themselves self-righteous. If you got it together, that's not the reason why God sent his son. Jesus says, I came for those who are sinners. He came to those who recognize the fact that we are sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure and without hope, except for the God's sovereign mercy through Christ. Jesus also told us a parable about two men who went up to the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself and he was saying these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes and all I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was, wasn't even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven. And he was beating his breast saying these words, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, which of these two men do you think went home justified? The tax collector, because he recognized that he needed the mercy of God. He had a renewed vision for the mercies of God in his life. The fact is, if we really want to have a renewed vision we have to stay focused on who we are and who God is. And you know who we are? Sinners. Now, I know that that's not a popular thing to tell people today. But we're sinners in the sight of God. We justly deserve his displeasure. And we are absolutely without any hope if it wasn't for the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. So we have to keep a firm focus on who we are, but we also have to keep a focus on who God is. And God is not some big supernatural ogre. God is a God of mercy and love and grace. Actually, he's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. That's who God is. And if we really want the, a, a renewed vision for the devotion of Christ in our life, we have to give God praise for his mercy. I don't know if you've ever studied the book of Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament. And the book of Lamentations was inspired by God to the prophet Jeremiah. And it was a, a, it's a book of crying, a book of sorrow, uh, because uh, the children of Israel are now brought into exile because of their disobedience to God. So we see the, the book of Lamentations is, is just a book of sorrow and a book of shame because they had disappointed God so much. Now they're in exile. And in the middle, the exact middle of the book of Lamentations, of all this crying and all this sorrow and all this shame for their disobedience, you find these words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So 
even in the understanding of who we are in the sight of God, sinners full of sorrow and full of shame because of our disobedience, God is speaking to us saying, my steadfast love for you never ceases. My mercies upon you will never come to an end. As a matter of fact, they're new every morning because great is my faithfulness unto you. Amen. Amen. That's what we have to keep this sort of focus on the mercies of God. And some of you here today, you might be experiencing a lot of shame or a lot of sorrows. And if that's so, I know it's a, maybe a dark time in your life, but you need to really, really get focused on a renewed visions of the mercy of God. And every morning, expect God to pour out blessings upon you. You see, if we don't really respond to the mercies of God, we're in big trouble. I mean, where, where would we be if it wasn't for God's love? Where would we be if it wasn't for God's forgiveness? Where would we be if it wasn't for God's continual presence in our lives? I mean, where, what type of hope would we have for our lives and our family and for the world if, if the presence of God, if we did, didn't enjoy the presence of God and knew that he ruled and reigned? I want you to think about your own life and the things that the Lord has given you. Your family, your friends, your job, your church. And the fact is, we don't deserve any of these things. We have gained these things because of the mercies of God. If our desire is to be continually devoted to Christ, what I'm suggesting to you is that we must have a renewed vision for the mercy of God. But we also need to have a renewed vision for spiritual worship. Paul writes that we are to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Present your bodies as a, holy, as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Now, this expression, living sacrifice, it's, it's on the backdrop of, of course, the Old Testament sacrifices that we see. See, the Old Testament worshiper was to offer an animal as a sacrifice. But here the apostle is teaching us that the New Testament worshiper, that's you and I, we offer ourselves to God. The, the, the Old Testament sacrifices, well, they were bloody because they pointed to Jesus Christ who would shed his own blood for our sins. But the, the New Testament believer's sacrifice is bloodless. Because it points to that Christ has fulfilled all the Old Testament types. So out of, a, out of celebration for what God has done for us through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, offer yourself completely to him. And he, he uses this word body to imply the whole person. Offer your mind, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, your emotion, your, your, your thoughts, your reasoning. It's just give it all to him. Your body completely. See, we have to recognize that we've been bought with a price. Therefore, we should glorify God in our bodies. 
We are no longer to present the members of our body as instruments of unrighteousness, but we are to present the members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. And Jesus actually tells us exactly how that works in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you've heard it said thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, any person that looks upon a woman to last lust after her has already committed adultery in her heart, in his heart. Jesus is saying, listen, you need to glorify God with your eyes and your ears and your mouth and your hands and your feet. You need to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. But Jesus actually goes on in that same passage in Matthew chapter 5, as he continues, he says, listen, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, listen, Jesus is not suggesting that we cut off and tear out body parts. If so, we would all be lame and blind. What he is suggesting is that we allow the Holy Spirit to do radical surgery on our hearts and to offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And this type of radical sur uh, surgery, the apostle is saying, this is spiritual worship. What we're doing here has nothing to compare of how we live out there. Living in here, it's easy to keep our eyes and our ears and our mouth holy. It's when we go out there. Here we have all sorts of good thoughts and warm feelings. But then we go out there. Paul says you really want to worship God? Then offer your body, your complete self, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Now, unlike physical amputations that are done once, spiritual amputations happen on a regular basis. Over and over and over again as an act of worship. You see, the Bible tells us that those who belong to Christ Jesus, well, they crucify their flesh with its passions and its desires. If we do that, this is spiritual worship. You can worship God far more out there than what you can in here. If our desire is to be continually devoted to Christ, we must be willing to surrender ourselves as living sacrifices, as an act of spiritual worship. We must be willing to lay our lives down. We must be like Abraham's son, Isaac, who willingly laid himself down on the altar. We must be willing to surrender ourselves and lay our lives down on the spiritual altar of God. Will you do that today? It's important, though, that we don't romanticize this idea of presenting our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Because presenting our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, it can get messy. It can get messy. I mean, you know now that God's not 
really interested in having a superficial relationship with you, right? He wants to go deep, and it can get bloody. You know, those Old Testament priests, when those animal sacrifices were brought to them, the, the, I mean, they had to cut them up. It got messy. It got messy. These Old Testament priests, well, they were skilled butchers at the altar of God who were willing to get messy to offer a sacrifice to God that was pleasing and acceptable to him. And Paul is saying that's what you need to do. It's not this Old Testament priest. We don't need him anymore. What we need is the Holy Spirit to act like a skilled surgeon and who uses the scalpel of God's word to cut through all of our thoughts and all of the intentions of our heart and open our minds to the reality the truth of who we are and the truth of who God is. Amen? That's what we need. And God wants to get messy in dealing with our thoughts and our intentions and our motives and our actions. You also need to understand to present your body as a living sacrifice. Well, it, it's, it's costly. That's the reason why it's called a sacrifice. It's costly. The Apostle Paul wrote two times in the New Testament that he willingly poured out his life as a, as a drink offering and service to Christ. What, what the Lord is asking us here to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, it, it, it's not a small thing. It's nothing just to be glazed over. But the Lord promises that whoever will lose their life for his sake will what? Find it. If you are willing to lose your life for the sake of Christ, you will find what is life indeed. So really, when was the last time that your service for the Lord really cost you something? I mean, we'll spend more time at the movie theater than what we will serving in the Sunday school ministry. I mean, when was the last time that your service to the Lord was really, really cost you something? It was a real sacrifice. It, you know, Barb likes to watch this show, um, Say Yes to the Dress. How, how many have ever watched this show, Say Yes to the Dress? Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, you know, and every once in a while, I'll sit down, watch a couple episodes of this. Somebody kill me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, actually, Barb was watching it yesterday, and, and um, there's there this bride, and I think she spent like $15,000 on this wedding dress. And then it came time, they did all the alterations, and it came out where she, and they, she put it on, and they opened the curtain, her family's all there, and, oh, and, uh, oh, walk towards us, walk towards, so she walks towards them, and the mother says, I think the hymn is about a half an inch too high. I, I turn to Barb, and I say, hashtag first world problems. Right. What I'm presenting to you is that many times our sacrifices are really hashtag American Christian problems. They're not sacrifices at all. Last last week got notice 
that the pastor, one of the pastors of the leading evangelical church in China was arrested and convicted to nine years imprisonment for his stand for Christ. Now, that's a sacrifice. We're so spoiled. We're so common. We don't really expect to give a sacrifice, really? Yes. Brothers and sisters, we need to join the great cloud of witnesses who throughout the ages willingly surrender themselves as living sacrifices out of devotion to their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If our desire is to be continually devoted to Christ, what I'm suggesting is that we need a renewed vision of the mercies of God. We need a renewed vision of real spiritual worship and we need a renewed vision for continual renewal. Paul calls us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we live in this fallen world, we're tempted to be conformed to this world and to, to a worldly worldview, the way the world looks at things, instead of having a Christian or a Christ-centered worldview. You see, those who are surrendered to Jesus Christ, well, they seek the Holy Spirit to renew their minds. Because it doesn't take long, if you're anything like me, it doesn't take long after I walk out of these doors that I can get really fuzzy in my thinking. And I need the Holy Spirit to constantly renew my mind to what God's will is and what God's word is. Because I can justify myself. I can justify my actions. I can justify my attitudes. But I need the Holy Spirit to renew my mind to be a, living according to God's will and God's word. Now, listen, maybe in old time religion, what they, when they looked at this, 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 do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe they, were, they said, listen, you can't, you know, don't, don't give in to the current fads or you can't wear this or wear that or you can't listen to that type of music. I grew up in a, in a Christian home like that growing up. I wasn't out, allowed to listen to, the only thing I was allowed to listen to is Christian music. That's it, Christian music. You know, I had to look like Pat Boone when I went out of the house. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that the challenge is, 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 is to experience an ongoing transformation of the mind that's in concert with God's word and will. You, you, listen, you can listen to classical music and wear a three-piece suit and still be conformed to this world. Our church fathers coined a phrase, reformed and always reforming. The fuller statement said this, the church is reformed and always in need of being reformed according to the word of God. Now, the first part of this phrase identifies the fact that we're part of the reformed faith, the, the, the teachings and the doctrines that, that were reformed from the early first century within the, the age of the Reformation. But don't get bogged down in all that. The, the, the main part of this phrase is that it emphasizes our need to be always reforming. I'm going to just tell you the truth. You can, you can embrace the doctrines of the Reformed faith, but if you, if you don't have passion for God's word, if you don't have passion that God's going to renew your mind according to the will of, and, and word of God, you're going to end up in dead orthodoxy. You're going to end up some theological know-it-all. What we need is a passion 
passion for God to continually renew our minds according to the will of God. Listen, the church is an organism. And because of that, it's never stagnant. It's never dormant. It's always growing. It's always advancing. And brothers and sisters, we are the church. And therefore, we are always to be growing in our faith, advancing the kingdom of God in our hearts and through our lives. Amen. You see, but to accomplish this, we always need the reforming work of the Holy Spirit in us. That's what makes us passionate Christians. We must seek the Holy Spirit for a renewed vision of Christ, never becoming stagnant, always seeking for the advancement of the kingdom of God in our hearts and through our lives. Amen. And we do this as individual Christians and we do this as a church together. We are devoted to Christ. This morning, as I said, is the first Sunday of the new year, the first Sunday of a new decade. And my challenge is for you to have a renewed vision for your devotion to Christ. Continually devoting ourselves to Christ. This was the overarching characteristic of the New Testament church, and it must be the overarching characteristic of the church today. We must seek the Lord to maintain a renewed vision for his mercies, for true spiritual worship, and for a passion, a passion to experience continual renewal in our lives. How how many of you ever heard the song, Hokey Pokey? Huh? Yeah, you ever heard the song, Hokey Pokey? You know, it's a children's song. You put your left hand in, you put your left hand out, you put your left hand in, and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about, right? Sorry, right, I'll be here all night. It's all right. <clears throat> uh, I know it's not a praise song, but it, it really could be. Because you know what the last verse is? Put your whole self in. God doesn't, want, doesn't just want your left hand or your right foot. He wants all of you. Heart, mind, soul, spirit, eyes, ears, mouth, attitudes, perspectives. He wants all of you. He's not interested in any part of the hokey pokey until the last verse. And that's what he wants for you today. On this first Sunday of a new year, of a new decade. This morning we have the grand opportunity to really experience the fullness of Christ as we receive the Lord's Supper. The table set up behind me is not the table of this church or the table of this denomination. This is the Lord's table. Therefore, all those who are believers... All those who are doing the spiritual hokey pokey are welcomed to this table. Because this table symbolizes that we're hungry, we're thirsty for the things of God through Jesus Christ. This table symbolizes that nothing else is going to satisfy except Jesus in our lives. 
on his table are two simple elements. The bread, which symbolizes the body of, of the Lord that was broken for us, and the cup that symbolizes his blood that was shed for us. These are the simple symbols of our faith. And we partake of them believing that Jesus actually did this for us. But we partake of them because of our need for a re spiritual renewal in our lives. That we truly, truly need a continued devotion to Christ. So the Lord, in his providence, he called for the believers to partake of this supper periodically to bring us back to a state of saying, I believe in Jesus Christ and I surrender myself to him. I need spiritual nourishment in my life so that I can glorify God. But the Bible tells us that we need to examine ourselves before we receive the supper. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. Examine yourself. Is Christ Lord of your life? Are you giving all of your life to him? Are you doing the spiritual hokey pokey? Putting your whole self in? If so... This supper's for you. So as the worship team comes back up and, and as I prepare the table for us, let's just take a moment individually in private prayer and search our hearts for the glory of Christ. Amen. Oh, Lord, our God, we, your people, come here thanking you for your mercies. Lord, all we have is because of your mercy. But the greatest act of mercy that you have poured out upon us is the grace and the accomplishments of your son. And so, Lord, we pray that you will keep give us a renewed vision of who we are and who you are. And Lord, we come to you today with the desire that we would truly be Christians that worship, have a spiritual worship. Lord, that we would be totally committed to you, heart, soul, mind. Lord, we come to you today asking for you to nourish us spiritually so that we can experience this renewal so that we can glorify you all the more. Lord, bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.